Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible Lab, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how each page points us to Jesus, who he is, and what he's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thank you so much for joining me. Friends, we are exploring the book of 2 Peter. We looked at the first theme as well as introducing the book in our last episode. Our first theme is how Peter was warning us about false teachers who would arise after his death. He said that they would increase in number. False teachers back then and even today are skeptical about God's intervention in the world. They doubt God's past interventions. And since they don't believe that God is going to judge the world in the future, they live an ungodly lifestyle. And so that brings us as a natural segue to our second theme in 2 Peter. And that is Peter was deeply concerned about godly living. Now, friends, the New Testament, the Bible in its entirety, in fact, is consistent in teaching that what you believe, what you truly believe, will always inevitably come out in how you live your life. And so Peter is warning the Christians that not only are they to turn away from ungodly teaching, they are to make sure that the truth they say they hold to is being lived out in godly living. Now, Peter doesn't want his readers, and that includes us today, to get caught up in the ungodliness of the false teachers. Remember that the early believers, just like many of us today, were surrounded by skeptics, people who mock the truth claims of Christianity, perhaps even people who mock the idea of truth in general. And so Peter is aware that all believers at all times and all places are in danger of being lured away from the truth. 2 Peter 2.18, Peter says, For speaking loud boasts of folly, they, the false teachers, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. So one of the dangers of false teaching is that it sounds really, really good, right? False teachers are saying that, hey, listen, since God's not going to judge, you can do whatever you want. You can sleep with whoever you want. You can look at what you want. You can eat what you want. You can say what you want. They appeal to the passions of the flesh. And friends, until Christ returns and we see him face to face and he removes the sinful nature from us, we are always going to find a war going on within our hearts. Like Paul said in Romans chapter 7, on the one hand, we know that we belong to Jesus, that we are filled with the Spirit, that we belong to the kingdom of light, and yet there is in us a sinful nature that is pulling us, always pulling us and luring us towards the sensual passions of the flesh. So be on guard against this. Peter also says in 2 Peter 3.17, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Now I want to look at that word carried away. I don't think this has the sense of, you know, you've seen some movie where the, the Vikings raid a village and they, you know, throw people over their shoulder and they carry them away against their will. I, I don't think that's how sinful desires work. I think it's more like if you've ever had the experience of lying on an inner tube and and floating down a river, or maybe you've been out in the ocean and you've just been floating on your back and you close your eyes and you kind of relax and you look up and you realize that you're like a hundred yards from the beach. This is, I think, what Peter is warning us. Take care, know this beforehand, that if we are not careful, if we are not on guard, if we are not pursuing godliness, then we are drifting away little by little, little by little. We are drifting away from the truth and we are headed for eternal ruin. Peter warns believers that turning away from the truth is a serious and tragic error. This is no small matter. This is not your favorite flavor of ice cream or changing your favorite movie star. This is a eternally significant choice, an eternally significant trajectory. 
Peter, again speaking of false teachers, says, For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. What Peter is here saying is that for false teachers, many of them were either raised in the church or perhaps made some kind of a confession of faith at some point in their life. And for a time, they appeared as if they were in the faith. They learned the lingo of the church. They perhaps read the Bible. Maybe they were even asked to to preach a sermon or or to lead in worship or to lead a Bible study. They learned the lingo. They learned sort of the movements and expression of genuine faith, but their heart had never been transformed by the gospel of grace. And when this person leaves and begins to lure people away, remember the words of Jesus. He says, temptations are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for them to tie a millstone around their neck. That's a very heavy stone, Jesus says. It would be better for someone to tie a millstone around their neck and throw themselves into the ocean than to lead one of God's children into sin. And so this is what Peter is saying about false teachers. It would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from what was delivered to them. And this is what false teachers have done. And this is what we, every single one of us, is in danger of doing if we do not hold fast to the truth. But there's more than just holding fast to the truth. Remember, holding fast to the truth will always lead to living out the truth. And so Peter understood that we can't just say no to sin. We have to replace sinful actions with godly ones. And so you'll see in 2 Peter, it's not just a list of things not to do, not to say, not to think, not to feel. Peter gives you positive instructions and says, this is how you are to live your life. I'm going to read to you 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his very own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort. Now remember, friends, we are saved by grace through faith. That is the beautiful truth of the gospel. And at the end of the day, we understand that there's no tension between the the teaching that God holds on to us with an unshakable grip And we are commanded ourselves to hold on to him. So when Peter writes, make every effort, he is not somehow sneaking works into the gospel. He's simply saying that for someone whose heart has been transformed by the gospel, their most sincere desire will be to work night and day to please their Lord Jesus. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, friends, this is given to us in list form with one word following the other. But do not make the mistake of thinking that this is some kind of sequence that you can follow and you can skip or you can stop whenever you want. Like, So you can't say, all right, well, I want faith and then I'll add virtue 
Uh, knowledge. I don't really like to read, so no thank you on the knowledge. Self-control? Yeah, I'll take some of that. Steadfastness? Sure. Godliness? All right. Brotherly affection? Ugh. Have you met my brother? No thank you. No, 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 no. If we have truly been transformed, if we have a living faith, we will see all of these. And I would encourage you, friends, to pursue all of these. Don't just say, all right, well, I'll work on self-control after I get knowledge, or I'll work on steadfastness after I get self-control, or I'll work on love after I get godliness down pat. Friends, we're, we, we need to be growing in all of these areas. Now, certainly by God's grace, you and I are going to have different one of these areas that perhaps are stronger, and we're going to have different areas that perhaps are weaker. And so there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I want to be growing in all of these, but I really need to work on self-control. Praise God for him opening your eyes to where you need to be paying particular attention. But friends, we are to be pursuing all of these. Because it is if these qualities, not just some of them, most of them, no, we need all of these qualities because this is the character of Christ. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So notice again the binary structure of this passage. You are either pursuing growth in these areas or you're basically blind and you've forgotten that you've already been forgiven and you need to be living a new life. It's either or, my friends. It's not several options that we can choose from. It's it's either the path of Christ or the path of the flesh. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Remember, We want to live in a way that demonstrates to the world that we have been called and elected and chosen and saved and sanctified by our God. Because Peter says, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I think what Peter is saying is that if you live this way, if you live this life, if you live out the character of Christ, you're going to feel at home when you get to heaven. Because you've been living as if you are in heaven down here on earth. This is how we are to live. And that's what Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 11 and 13. Since all these things, all the things of the world that unbelievers run after, since they are all to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? And he says, according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So yes, turn away from false teachers. But friends, relentlessly, by God's grace, crying out for more mercy, more strength, more steadfastness. Pursue godly character. Display the gospel in your words, in your actions, in your thoughts, in your feelings. Display the gospel to a world that is wandering blind and desperately needs the light of Jesus. So friends, Lord willing, the next time we come together, we'll look at our third and final theme in Second Peter. In some ways, it's the whole reason for the book. And that is Peter needed to answer the problem of the delay of Christ's return. But until then, take up and read, my friends. God bless.